Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to your podcast that you listen to. It's called Musical Splaining, and you're here with your friends who you've never met, but we talk and we're inside of your ear holes all the time, and you love us, and it's very intimate. Now this is just a creepy intro, but anyway, Lindsay. We're just dudes hanging out. <laughs> we're just, we're all just some dudes hanging out. You know, it's 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 getting to my brain. Anyway, I'm Kava Taharian. I'm one of the hosts. I'm 50% I'm of Lindsay it. Lindsay Ellis. That's Lindsay Ellis. She's the... I'm sorry, I'll let you talk. I don't want to talk over you. I don't want to splain <laughs> over you. No, that's... The, um, yeah, I guess that's my job. I'm the splainer. <laughs> How are you splainer doing? Splainer has become the splainee. The splainee. How you doing, Linz? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm having a big Green Day stand moment in my life that I, I didn't anticipate but here we are yeah it's kind of interesting you uh Mm -hmm. you and i talked last week and you said you had found this recording of a green day musical which i guess is a thing (laughs) yeah you might say i found jesus yeah of suburbia suburbia. (laughs) (laughs) and you told me that and i said yeah let's do it let's talk about green day that would be exciting because i know green day so i already know the songs so i can focus on the story Mm -hmm. which i'm sure is going to be extremely sophisticated (laughs) it's going to be like really like (laughs) nuance it's gonna be like war and peace it's gonna like cover like decades it's gonna like you know go through several governmental changes it's gonna be a lot of nuanced characters dozens (laughs) a cast of thousands they say but Uh, yes today we are covering the green day musical american idiot man i i really i relate to that title very much especially (laughs) these days (laughs) what's your relationship to green day prior to the musical well i would say I'm having very mixed feelings about like even looking at this because I'm I'm honestly probably dreading it a little bit because I I, I listened to a little bit of it and there's just something about hearing Green Day songs coming out of like classically trained Broadway performer mouths. Mm -hmm. I was actually thinking about that too where I was like, how much are they going to overly emphasize the song and try and like you say, play to the cheap seats? Yeah, and it's just like what the kids call cringe, uh, and it's and it's not even that like it, there's just something so you know unique about Billy Joe Armstrong's voice, who's the lead singer of Green Day, and I, I feel like whenever you know y- you remove that, you really lose something because you like Green Day is fundamentally a very simple band. It's yeah. three dudes. Yeah, it's always been three dudes for the yeah. last thirty years, more than thirty years. It's like three chords, even. It's like three dudes, yeah, three exactly. chords, like very basic song structures. That's yeah, part of the charm of it. Yeah, their songs are very, very simple. Yeah. yeah. And I think part of what makes them such a classic band is their ability to shape these really simple tools into something like that's memorable and that people yeah. actually remember. And I think that's really hard to do because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people now kind of hide behind, um, you know, production and stuff like yeah. that, which is like, incidentally, you know, people keep like Green Day's new album has like a really bad marketing campaign where it's oh, like, no. no Swedish producers, no <laughs> trap beats, just rock. And it's uh, like, oh my God, you guys are old. Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I guess I, I've always actually been a Green Day fan. I owned Dookie. It was like one of the first albums I owned. I remember listening to Nimrod a lot. I think I skipped Kerplunk and I definitely skipped Warning, which was their album that came out in 2000. I remember uh, listening to American Idiot like into the ground, you know, mm. like I listened to that one a lot. Uh, and it's I think I always kind of took for granted like the same way that, um, I don't know, Lit or some oh, 41 or my <laughs> chemical romance like this is dumb music for dumb people this is guilty pleasure i kind of 
took for granted that Green Day was in that category too. Yeah. And it's only now that I realize, like, I, I, I was just way wrong. <laughs> yeah. Their Green Day is good, actually. There was a guy that we went to school with who was really into Green Day and I didn't like that guy. And I remember being like really <laughs> irritated by the fact that he liked it and it made me hate Green Day. That was the whole oh, no. thing. Yeah. I mean, no, I never hated Green Day. I just remember being like, so my association with Green Day was always. I mean, I do that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously all musicals was basically my thing. Is that like people who like musicals? I was always like, get away from me. Uh. So Green Day was one of the first CDs. I'm not uh, Dookie specifically was one of the first CDs I ever got, which that used to be a thing, by the way. I don't know if people listening to this remember that, but you used to buy these things called CDs because I'm a fucking boomer now on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> back when you listen to, when you actually listen to records all the way through, but Dookie was probably the first punk CD I ever got. Although, you know, it's probably a pop punk. It's a little bit more mainstream than like, but it counts. It's, I mean, like that, like we, I guess we could talk about the whole concept of selling out later, right, but right. like, uh, it, it definitely counts. Uh, I think it like they adopted the term pop punk, uh, in the mid nineties to kind of differentiate between like more classic punk and eighties right. punk and grunge, which was also very in at the time. Yeah. Nimrod came after Dookie and, uh, I do remember Brain Stew because it, it had the Godzilla remix. Godzilla, <laughs> Did you remember that? The Godzilla yeah, movie? The, yeah, the Godzilla movie, uh, oh, no, which was a soundtrack, soundtrack that I owned, of course. Because I did I own that every soundtrack. <laughs> I my owned friend, every soundtrack in the yeah. 90s. Oh, my God. My friend made so much fun of me because I had bought the, the Godzilla the soundtrack. Godzilla. Yeah, and so he's you like, had the Godzilla soundtrack, but you don't remember the Godzilla Brain Stew remix? No, I had it, but my friend made so much fun of me. And he's like, you're a fucking loser. Why did you buy this? You need to listen to real music. And he bought me Vulgar Display of Power by Pantera instead. And he was like, you need to fucking listen to real music. <laughs> Um, so basically like around the seventh, eighth grade is when I stopped listening to Green Day. And so I always associated it with my, you know, oh, I was a kid. This is stuff I listened to as a kid. It's not really like cool anymore, but yeah, you're right. So I, I think you and I were talking about this last week too, when we were discussing whether or not we were going to do this. And I saw the CNN show, the, you know, the way they did the seventies, nineties, and they did the two thousands and they mentioned specifically the record of, um, American Idiot. And how it was like a 9-11 like protest punk record. And I was like, what the fuck? I had no idea. Because I just thought When September Ends was like, um, what was the other song that they did? Time of Your Life? What was the title of it? I just thought it was like... Good Riddance. Good Riddance, yes, yes. I thought it was another like kind of emo-y song. And I was like, oh, whatever. That's cool. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the I think it was. Like, when Wake Me Up When September Ends... It doesn't have anything to do with 9-11 and it doesn't have anything to do with Katrina. It was more kind of reappropriated as a Katrina song because like there were a few viral videos about it because Katrina happened in September. But like officially, uh, I think Wake Me Up When September Ends is like inspired by Billy Joe Armstrong's dad dying. Uh, But it's also broadly and, and, you know, we will discuss this when we actually get to the, the hashtag content. Um, it's, it's still a part of the greater concept album. So it was like inspired by, but it's more about like, you know, the sort of ennui with this character, Jesus of suburbia. Oh, okay. As long as we're being nostalgic for childhood rock stars, as I was putting the stats together today, I, I kind of had this moment of like, I wonder what Fred Durst is up to. <laughs> so I look at his Twitter account because I remember like within the last couple of years, he, him like making this really empathetic plea to Donald Trump on Twitter to like, please stop, please stop doing what you're doing. I'm begging you. <laughs> like, 
trying the to like, reason. <laughs> yeah, like trying to reason with Donald Trump. And I checked and it was like all of his tweets had been deleted except for a couple. And everyone's like, oh, he's on Instagram now. And I go on Instagram and I look at his Instagram and every single picture on his Instagram is a picture of a station wagon. The fuck? A different, a different station wagon. No context, just station wagon. It's all station wagons and one pic, one Black Lives Matter. <laughs> the most recent one is Black But every other single post on his Instagram is just a station wagon. And I am like humbled by this troll. Like I kind of like <laughs> am jealous a little bit where I'm just like, this is this is a long con. This is like good content. And I'm kind of jealous. But anyway. I'm so, so yes. Why? Why is it all station wagons? <laughs> Uh, it's this art <laughs> <laughs> because art because of art. Anyway, okay. So. Anyway, so on. Yeah, uh, sure. All right. <laughs> so American idiot music by Green Day, lyrics by Billy Joe Armstrong. Book. There's a fucking book about it. Was it a book based I'll, on the musical? All all musicals have books. I thought it's based on. Coffee, I thought they took like, a record, like a booklet no, inside the CD. No, it's, it's <laughs> book. I can't tell if you're kidding. It's book of the musical. That's just like the script. There's a, oh, like so they they take the script of the musical and they no, print no, it into a book. No, but book is Jesus. <laughs> How many episodes have we done? You know, I don't so, understand. Okay, so, so music is the notes. Right. And lyrics are the words, but when yeah. we say book of the musical, that's like the screenplay. So um, whenever we say book, that's sort of like the musical equivalent of stage play or screenplay. That's what book means. Oh, I thought it was like based. I'm thinking like book adaptation. No. This whole time I thought that that's what this was. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's its own category at the Tonys. Wow. We need like remedial musical. I'm I'm. Clearly, I have failed as, oh, as a You're teacher. like all of my teachers all the way growing up every year, all throughout graduate school. I have failed. I've, Don't beat yourself up. <laughs> no, that's not your fault. That's just, uh, that's just how it goes. You're like my mom. Just what have I done wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I literally... I remind everybody of their mother. I'm always disappointed. Yeah. Every, yeah. <laughs> okay. So there was not a book. I get it now. Okay, so Michael Mayer, Meyer, Mayer, Meyer. American Idiot premiered on Broadway in 2010. It's based on the 2004 album American Idiot by Green Day. The band spent months in 2002 to 2003 writing and recording an album that was to be called Cigarettes and Valentines. And they had laid down about 20 tracks and then, bum, 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 the tracks got completely stolen and have to this day never been recovered. That's crazy. How do you yeah, that's s- back before digital. I was going to say, <laughs> so I was like... Someone stole the four track. Yeah, someone just broke into the studio, stole the masters, and then they were just gone. I wonder if they've just been <laughs> sitting on them this whole time and they're just going to release them later. Yeah, but was it like really bad? And they're like, it was stolen. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it burned. Didn't, didn't Tarantino have a screenplay that apparently burned or some film that well, he that did? Well, that was like, that was what happened in Tiger King. Where <laughs> remember Tiger Did King? You? That was like a hundred years ago. Yeah, that was that. That's some nostalgia. VH1, yeah. remember Tiger King? <laughs> uh, so rather than rewrite and record everything, the band decided to start from scratch and wrote and recorded American Idiot, which is like Hades Town, a concept album. Uh, what is the concept? Um. Well, keep reading. Oh, okay. 
Um, but yeah, like I think I, um, <laughs> it was only like as I was doing this uh, research that I think I kind of underappreciate how many musicals start life as a concept album. But okay. yeah, it's actually not that uncommon. Okay. American Idiot, the album, follows the story of Jesus of Suburbia. Is it meant to be Jesus or is it Jesus of Suburbia? Um, well, you know the song Jesus of Suburbia? I believe it's True. pronounced Jesus. Probably pronounced Jesus. Okay. I mean, we are in Southern California, so I just want to make sure that it's, either, it's Jesus. <laughs> well, they're from Jesus. Northern California. That's so. true. They are from the East Bay. They're from Berkeley. I guess you would know. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, I remember. Yeah. One of your many homelands. One of <laughs> the East Bay. I'm Berkeley. like, where are you from? Like, just Oakland, everywhere. Connecticut, France. Uh, I don't know. Berkeley, all of it. Um, uh, American Idiot follows the story of Jesus of Suburbia, a lower middle class American adolescent anti hero. He feels bored and alienated in his hometown which is called Jingle Town. Oh, God. While there, he meets and falls in love with a girl. What's her name? Uh, he parties and gets fucked up a lot, but he doesn't find any meaning in it. Really? That's so surprising. Yeah, it's deep, man. It really uh, makes you think. He then, quote unquote, meets. Why is meets in quotes? Does he not actually meet this person or is it because this person's not real? Uh, well, if you read one more sentence, you'll get St. Jimmy. <laughs> I'm doing this on purpose just to bother you. Yeah. <laughs> he then meets St. Jimmy, who's really just an alternate personality of himself. Think Tyler Durden. Oh, okay. Um, who's cool and charismatic and reckless. I mean, he was already being reckless and drinking and just getting fucked up, right? But I guess this guy's more charismatic and cool and reckless. Anyway, he used, I'm just thinking out loud as I read this, just derailing this entire part. I'm going to keep going. He uses... This St. Jimmy alter ego is an excuse to continue with his bad habits, drinking, drugs, etc. So, like Chris Gaines or like Sasha Fierce before him or after <laughs> yeah. him, right? Somewhere in the timeline. Yeah, St. Jimmy. I don't remember the years, but somewhere they're sandwiched This is, this is you know, sandwiched between Sasha Fierce and Chris Gaines. And Chris Gaines. Uh, and he thinks of himself as a savior of the poor alienated kids in the city. What's her name? Eventually gets sick of his act and the constant partying. So she leaves the city and him. What's her name leaving him is what makes him realize that he's gone down a dark path that he shouldn't have. So he metaphorically kills St. Jimmy and moves home to Jingletown. His story kind of fizzles out from there. So it is very much like Fight Club where he has an alternate personality. He does crazy stuff. The girl he likes is no longer interested in him. So he kills. Spoiler alert. So he kills Tyler mm -hmm. Durden. Uh, Armstrong intended the fizzling out ending to be a counterpoint to the much more common narrative in American media that everyone is the hero of their own story. This was a counterpoint to the false promise that is the American dream. Ooh, deep. Uh, Jesus of suburbia isn't a world changer or a hero or a literal Jesus. The idea is basically that American media creates a standard and an ideal that's impossible to live up to, leaving to such widespread feelings of widespread feelings of emptiness because inevitably people will fail at this. The album ends with Jesus of Suburbia just kind of growing up and existing in a capitalist hellscape as a paper pusher. Oh, wow. There's a whole other. Do you want me to keep reading all this? Yeah. Okay. Unless um, you unless you have a comment on it. Because I, I assume you probably you did you listen to American Idiot in that era? Um, I did. No, no, not in the era. I listened to it much later. I don't remember it being marketed as a concept album. And I think it's only like kind of the fans that know it as a concept album. So it was 2004 is when it came out? Yeah, Instead? yeah. 2004, 2005 was its heyday. No, I was I was very much into like, I had gotten into like metal and hardcore at that point. So I was listening to like thrice. Really? Because I was on the complete yeah. other end. I'm yeah. like lesbians that play piano only. <laughs> like 
MTV Unplugged but with lesbians. That was my aesthetic. So. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I was still very much into like AFI and like thrice at that point where I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then I totally flipped the other way and just went to like soul and blues after I got out of college. But um, mm-hmm. that's besides the point. So I think I remember at that point being like, oh, I'm over Green Day, like whatever. Like this is some mm-hmm. loser ass, like not hardcore enough shit. <laughs> um, so that's why I don't remember it. But I did listen to it like a couple of years ago. I started sort of getting back into I think after I told you, like I was listening or I was I had watched that um, 2000s uh, mm-hmm. documentary. And I was like, oh, it's an interesting idea. And then I sort of went back and I'm like, yeah, you know, they, they do just write really good, catchy songs. That, like they are good for what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the band took inspiration from the concept records by The Who. Sources in the musical theater repertoire like the Rocky Horror Show, uh, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show which I've also never seen um, and West side story, which I've seen half of uh, and the cancer. <laughs> I'm interested in watching West side story fully for at some point. It, it's great. Oh my God. Yeah. We're going to have to, cause it was, it was on Broadway. It just got, re- just got revived. There's a Spielberg movie of it coming out too. Yeah. But we're not going to watch the movie. No, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and the cons- I'm just, so, I'm just sort of like taking a moment to be bitter about like, Broadway's never going to reopen, is it? <laughs> it's a great time to start yeah. this podcast. Yeah, right. Periodically, I need to be bitter, okay? Anyway, go ahead. Uh, the concept album, Coming Come Stage Musical, Jesus Christ Superstar, while warmly received at the time, the album has gone on to be considered a classic and the defining work of Green Day's career. The album was inspired by the Iraq War and the band being kind of stunned at how easily the president was able to use the media to dupe such a huge swath of the country and our good friends, the British, to go along with it. Fucking not me. <laughs> not, but you're not British. Yeah, right. Or easily in this part of the country. Not anybody who was from the Middle East. We all knew. Uh, the album draws a causal connection between contemporary American social dysfunction and the Bush ascendancy. Drummer Trey Cool hoped the record would influence young people to vote Bush out. Oh, God. He had previously felt that it was not his place to preach to kids, but there was so much on the line in the 2004 election that he must. Uh, written down by Lindsay, womp, womp. <laughs> Is that a neologism? Uh, womp, womp. Uh, the musical's test run in Berkeley received mixed reviews. Oh, that's cool that they did a mixed review, or that they did a test run in Berkeley. Yeah, see, Green Day keeps it real. Like, that's great. Good for them. Keeping it in their hometown. I wonder where they did it. Uh, maybe like the Greek theater or something. Uh, but the Broadway version got much more critical praise with Paul Taylor's review in The Independent Hales American Idiot as the hair of its generation. It was heavily criticized for its thin story and even thinner characters. So apparently American Idiot is uh, sung through. Oh, God. Like so there's no dialogue all the way through no dialogue. OK, uh, it seems to be more in the vein of like six it is like other concept albums turned musicals like Six and Jesus Christ Superstar. It is short. Yay! <laughs> um, and Billy Joe Armstrong played St. Jimmy in a lot of early performances. That's kind of funny. Uh, it should be noted that although it seems kind of middling success-wise, it was released at a time when Broadway was in a, was in a lull, which it would only start to pull out of starting with Book of Mormon the following year. It's all about perspective, kids. All about perspective. I remember like there was a whole um, like even on SNL, there was uh, like jokes about like, how do we save Broadway? How do we fix Broadway? Um, And there is just something, you know, when you you think about like this whole 90s concept of selling out, there kind of being something 
emotionally wrong about like a band like Green Day having a Broadway musical. But I think there's also some truth to that. Like, I also feel like if it came out now, it would look very different. Okay, as a for instance, one thing that Green Day does, uh, and a lot of bands do this, but, you know, Green Day is kind of known for this, is they'll pull fans on stage because their songs are so simple. They can be like, do you know, like, you know, yeah, like, can you play Jesus of Suburbia? And it's like 12-year-old kids can do it. Yeah. So whenever they do that, it's like great to watch. It's like wholesome fun. But Billy Joe Armstrong doesn't seem to know what to do with his hands. Um, <laughs> so we, I look at musicals now where it's like really common, like even the Jesus Christ Superstar revival tour that we sadly missed and I, apparently is erased from this world now. No. Um, had a lot of the cast playing instruments, which they didn't do um, originally. So when I look at the American Idiot musical, which came out in 2009, 2010, I'm like, why didn't they just hire people that knew how to play guitar? It's such simple music. Yeah. I feel like if they had done it today at a time when, you know, actors are expected to know how to, you know, play instruments in addition to being able to act and sing and dance. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it would look very different and it probably wouldn't feel so wrong uh, <laughs> in that same way of like Billy Joe Armstrong not knowing what to do with his hands when he like hands the guitar over to somebody else. Wait, so you haven't actually, you have seen this or you haven't? It was a professionally staged version from an LA production and I just needed to make sure that like it, it was high, high enough quality that you could see what was going on mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could hear what the words were. Uh, but yeah, so I, I like skipped through it and made sure that it looked okay. Uh, and, and like, it, like the cleanness and just like that sort of, you know, the atmosphere of musical theater, which does need to look extremely polished compared to like the punk aesthetic, which is by its very nature, anything but that to the fact that like, you know, with most Green Day songs, again, I spent like my entire Saturday after I put up the that video, like just watching clips that people put on YouTube of like Billy Joe bringing fans on stage to play, yeah. you know, and like half the times they'd be playing it wrong. But as long as they got like the the meter right, he, he'd let them keep going because like it doesn't really matter. It's yeah. just like it's OK. You know, That's it's like punk. this is music designed to be played by drunk people for drunk people while violence happened. You know, it's like that is that is punk. Was. I, I saw a show or two at Gilman, which is apparently where they they got famous. Oh, yeah. yeah. I learned a lot about Gilman. Yeah. I learned a lot about Gilman during this process where I was like, yeah, it's like a, it's a nonprofit, apparently. Yeah. It, they, Green Day still gives them money. Yeah. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. No, it's like a, it's a legendary venue out in the East Bay and Berkeley specifically. Um, so what made you think of this musical other than the fact that you had seen, you know, a high quality recording of it? But why did you think that this would be a good one to go to? Because you said you wanted to. (laughs) That's usually the opposite of why you make a decision. (laughs) You were like, I would be interested in that. And I was like, yeah, I I think I don't want to do two Rodgers and Hammersteins in a row anyway. Sure. Keeping it light. (laughs) And and I did get a bunch of requests for it on Twitter. Oh, Um, you did? Okay. People were asking for this one specifically. mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. People were like, okay, so you're going to do the American Idiot musical, right? And I, I did see a few people that had seen it and they did compare it to Hair. Um, so like, I guess that's the other thing is like, we will have that basis of comparison called rent because it looks a lot like rent aesthetically. Okay. Uh, I was going to ask, yeah, where does this, where does this fall within the pantheon of musicals? Like, is this, is this like Hades town or is this more like cats or like, what's, what, what can I expect? 
I mean, honestly, I don't know because I haven't watched it. So we're both kind of going in blind. Oh, we're noobs but, going into it. Okay. Yeah, we're both we're both noobs, but I think. It'll be on the maybe more favorable end because it is short. It seems to be more of a concert. So it's like if you like Green Day, then you're not going to be offended. It's just basically (laughs) (laughs) the American Idiot album with a few things added in. And it ends with, and I think they added um, 21 Guns and then ends with Time of Your Life. So were they like involved in the actual like musical part of it? Oh, yeah. Actually, that's something else we should probably watch um, because we have the production, but they also did a documentary about it called Broadway Idiot, which uh, I believe was like produced by and stars Billy Joe Armstrong. And uh, it talks about like their whole process and involvement because I think it it was a little DIY. Like obviously like Green Day is one of the like in 2009, they were still very, very successful. That was the year 21 Guns came out. So, like, at that time, they were, like, very much at the top of their game. So it wasn't like we're, you know, scrappy Aeneas Mitchell putting on, like, you know, community theater in Vermont. Like, it's Green Day. (laughs) They're selling out, like, you know, 50,000-seat stadiums easily. Um, Since it was inspired by concept albums that eventually got turned into musicals, it's not as counterintuitive as it would seem on its face. Because I remember when it came out, I lived in L.A., (laughs) <laughs> but I read okay. But I moved back to New York in time for it, like because I re- I remember seeing it. I remember seeing the marquee that said "American Idiot" and being like, "Hmm, cringe," or just like interested. <laughs> yeah, just kind of like I didn't see this for you guys. Yeah, but it was again like it was during that Broadway lull where it like there wasn't really anything that was getting any attention outside of the extremely local New York scene. So I wasn't really uh, watching anything on Broadway at the time. So it just didn't even occur to me to go see it, which I kind of regret because I really would have liked to see Billy Joe Armstrong as the guy uh, uh, as, as St. Jimmy as Tyler Durden. (laughs) Yeah. He's the Tyler Durden. Cause like there is, there is some footage and it's like, it doesn't look as silly as it would seem because Billy Joe is just this incredibly youthful looking face. Yeah. Like even as like at the time, I think he was like 40, 42. Um, he didn't look 42. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I believe he was like a teenager. Sure. Full head of hair. It's probably still dyed yeah. black at that point with those piercings. Yeah. I mean, I guess he still dressed the same. That man's hair is like, yeah, you got to tell us your secret, bud. <laughs> hate those people. Hate those people with full heads of hair. <laughs> those check your hair privilege yeah seriously um okay well i'm i'm looking forward to watching this particularly because of the length um, <laughs> I, I talked to sarah about it she was like you know it's okay that i'm not there because i didn't really want to watch that one anyway so uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it's for uh, work honey yeah and just like because she wants to watch them all with me but she's like that's fine you can skip that one well i guess that covers most of it um so i guess we can go to the ad read and watch the musical yes a brand the, new ad read a brand new ad read that, <laughs> yeah you gotta yeah you gotta stick around uh yeah right <laughs> for the world <laughs> worldwide debut um, yeah of, of a my, new of my june ad read yes uh, <laughs> in uh, june 2020 <laughs> ad copy june 2020 yeah, Don't right. miss it. I bet. How much will the world change from June to July? And that ad read, we'll see. Uh, oh man, yeah, that's a good question. Anyway, yeah, we'll go to the ad read, come back, and we'll discuss our thoughts about the AI. American AI. <laughs> oh, that's right, American idiot, not AI in terms of artificial intelligence. Yes. Yes. Okay. And also American idiot. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Curiosity Stream a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles. 
You can also get access to our streaming service, Nebula, when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators, not by destroyers. I'm looking at you, Godzilla. Where CuriosityStream is all about big-budget nonfiction videos, we are building Nebula because we want a place for smaller, independent, education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original content from creators like CGP Grey, Kersekzog, and that Lindsay Ellis person I keep hearing about. With the support of CuriosityStream, she's putting up a new Nebula exclusive about Blazing Saddles. And who knows? Maybe yours truly will even show up in one of these videos someday. You're going to have to wait and see, though. So, get CuriosityStream plus our streaming service Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $19.99 for a full year by visiting curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. Now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back from that silky smooth June ad read, quarter quarter three, 2020. Listen, I'm available for all ad read work if on your podcast. If you want to pay me tons of money, I'll come in and do it. Or even a modest amount of money. Uh, <laughs> any money, really. That's more than I'm... Yeah, they was like, hey, would you... Here's 20 bucks. Yeah. Would, you recreate, would you record my blue apron? Yeah. I'm like, sure. <laughs> Just think of... Yes, I'll do it. Think of how many air conditioning minutes you could pay for with 20 bucks. <laughs> You're relentless. <laughs> Yes, I'm cheap. I know. <laughs> well, that's that's. Uh, is that one of those things that you're allowed to joke about? But I'm not. I guess so. Yeah. It's no. You know what it is? It's it's you know it's the further dad <laughs> it's like, thing. Like people's weight or hair. Yeah. yeah. It's the dad thermostat. No, it's not thing. a dad thing. It's a you thing. No, no. My it's, dad it's, was. It's the dad thermostat, right? There's all the jokes about the thermostats where like you know you move it like one degree oh, yeah. and then the dads freak out. It's like air conditioning is the same thing. But we're in California, so uh, I never turn the heater on. Well. See, I mean, but you live in like the, well, anyway, I'm just sort of like, no, in my house, like I can already see like my husband kind of turning into his dad where it's like the thermostat kind of keeps creeping up and up and up. And I'm like, no, we live in a refrigerator because we live in the future. We don't have to like, this doesn't have to be 75 degrees. It can be whatever we want. But anyway, so uh, So speaking of like, yeah, consumerism in America and like the American life. um, American Idiot, the musical. American Idiot. Yeah. so um, I had a lot of thoughts, but I thought I would defer to you first. So let's 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 go back to American Indie at the musical. Let's describe what it is we actually watched. Oh, okay, that's right. So we watched uh, what was it? It was the Los Angeles perform or one of the Los Angeles performances of the musical. Okay, so the full version that we watched was an immersive staging in an LA warehouse from 2015. And it was professional-ish. It wasn't like the same kind of polish you get with like a Broadway show or like a normal tour. Kind of reminded me of this version of Little Shop of Horrors I saw at the Pasadena Playhouse mm-hmm. uh, last year. Um, where it's like, uh, yeah, this is technically professional, but it's like, you know, a lower budget. Um, but it was also, uh, it seemed pretty substantively different from the Broadway version since it was immersive. It had the cast like, you know, running, running around, around in the audience yeah. and the uh, actors kind of being on the side of the stage instead of in front of it. Um, and that like, so it seemed to add a lot of different uh, things that were not there in the original um, Berkeley and uh, New York productions. Now that said, 
I mean, this is another <laughs> reason why this <laughs> this this whole uh, not being able to see shows live thing is really frustrating to me because I, I found the experience of watching it extremely frustrating. Yes, I agree. <laughs> because the sound is very bad. Um, you can't see what's happening um, because, again, it was like prosumer-ish, so it was like multiple camera angles, but like the angles weren't great. A lot of it was out of focus. And as I, the whole time I was watching it, I'm like this, I feel like just watching this version. It's like watching, it's still like watching a bootleg because I feel like I'm doing a disservice to this production, which I feel like if you had been in that audience and had like these kids running around, I'm like, that would have been awesome. Instead, I'm watching a YouTube <laughs> rip. <laughs> like, that's kind of badly shot, and the sound is terrible, and... Uh, Such is where we are. Um, Such is where we are. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to discuss this uh, with, with that caveat in mind. I mean, I'm glad that you prefaced it with that, because I wasn't clear about how much polish was meant to be on it, because it's supposed to be like a... I thought part of it was like, oh, it's like a punk musical, so we're going to do it like DIY and like not spend a lot of money and have it be like blah, blah, blah. But that actually explains a little bit as to why it seemed kind of crappy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's like this is, I guess, sort of like if Broadway and touring that stuff like the Pantages is top tier this would be like b or c tier. Um, so it's like still kind of close to the top. Like it obviously had a budget behind it. Yeah. Some of the singers weren't bad either. Some of them were pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I say most of them were pretty good. the 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 guy that plays uh, Jesus of Suburbia was a little, was a little pitchy, I guess. Is the... I, he was uh, the guy that that had like the the long hair in the front, right? He's the he one who the I main, thought looked like. Yeah, he was the main character. He looked like Davy Havoc from AFI to me, which really threw me off because that's another East Bay band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they keep it real. Yeah. Right. So, what what, what were your thoughts of which you had many? I, you know, I always have many thoughts, uh, surprise, surprise, by the way, it's, it's funny because I was writing down my notes and everyone keeps saying like, oh fuck, who thought 2020 was going to be like this and who thought we'd end up here and blah, blah, blah. And here I am six months into 2020 about to go on a diatribe about why American idiot is not taking advantage of the medium of musicals enough. You know, <laughs> I had strong opinions about that. Wow. Like, yeah. And I was just Progress. like, oh, fuck, why do Progress. I know this? But I do. Yes. So overall, I didn't like it, of course, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of it, I think, had to do with conceptually what it is and what it was trying to be. So when you watch the documentary, which, by the way, is a total fluff piece, but it does still give you like <laughs> insight as to like how they did it and what they were doing. Um, it, it almost feels like a Leslie Iwerks kind of doc where it's like, and then everything they did was the greatest thing ever and everyone loved it and everyone was healed by this and there would be no war if everyone did this thing. Anyway, that's besides the point. So the director is extremely deferential and he almost seems like desperate for Billy Joe's approval, mm -hmm. which to me, I was thinking about it and I'm like, okay, this is a a punk musical written by a guy who doesn't know anything about musicals and then it's adapted into a musical by a guy who clearly has like no connections or idea what the punk scene is. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting something interesting and new and different, what you get is a sort of shittier watered down version of both things. In my opinion, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't really feel like it was 
again, capital musical with an, with a capital or sorry, musical with a capital M enough. Like it felt like it was trying to be very like, Oh look, like we're punks. Cause like we throw up middle fingers in the air and like we wear tattered <laughs> jeans and some people have mohawks. And then the musical element of it was just sort of like, well, they just took some songs that was working as a concept record, but it didn't really, they, they didn't seem to have any big numbers. It, it sort of just felt like a, D-list version of Rent, like the one that we watched, like from the way mm-hmm. that the stage was and the way the costumes were and the way that it all sort of played out. You're talking about the L.A. warehouse version. Yes, yes, yes. The one that we watched. Yeah, that looked a lot more like I guess we should say that that version looked a lot more like your typical production of Rent than the Broadway American Idiot, which was a lot more unique looking, I guess. I mean, even the Berkeley one, it seemed like they just had like a bunch of TVs in the wall and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. look at how clever we are. We have like you know, punk rock posters on the wall. (laughs) You know, it it was really heavily invested in the aesthetic of punk rather than the idea of what punk is and sort of what it means and what it's sort of supposed to be to the people Mm -hmm. who are gravitated or who gravitate towards that lifestyle and philosophy. And I say this as a person who was, uh, I guess I never told you this, but I was in a few punk bands back in the day. Oh, uh, no, I it, didn't know that. Yeah, so it, it it was something for me like in high school and in early college where like it was very much an identity and it, and it meant a thing and, you know, it ultimately ended up being an oppressive thing that I broke out of that I didn't like. It's funny because Billy Joe kind of says the same thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like these people aren't your friends. It's like they're... It's true. It's, it's, it's 100% right because originally it's a thing where you go and explore your identity and you become comfortable with what it is. And in a space where you don't feel judged and ultimately what ends up happening is, is that you're judged for not subscribing to the same thing. Like, oh, you don't dress like this or you don't listen to this or like the music should be this way or, you know, the scene has to be like this and you can't talk like whatever. It ends up becoming its own system of rules and you're like, fuck this. And then you leave. But ultimately, like that idea of believing, I don't know, believing, but like being okay with who you are, no matter how fucked up it is, was sort of what I took away from it. And being like, I'm just going to do this thing on my own, regardless of, of who gives a shit or doesn't, because it's important to me. Right. And like that very much drove me into film, like film, I think still has that. I mean, that's just a side note, but anyway, I'm, I'm going on a diatribe. Yeah. But like, doing indie movies is sort of the same thing. You're like, you get a group of people together and you make a fucking movie and it doesn't really matter how good or bad it is. It's about the experience of doing it. And like, that's what punk was. But I feel like this, meaning American Idiot, was very reliant on the sort of pop culture idea of what you think punk is rather than trying to like embrace the ethos and do something totally fucking wild with it. And Yeah, see, that's the um, perspective that I come from because I, I think Green Day, the main extremist, is like as punk as I ever got. Oh, okay. Um, like they're in, in my brain, I kind of associate the punk scene with like not good things. It's like... <laughs> dangerous yeah like well no you know because there's there's a you know nazis sneak in and then like everybody's trying to find them it's like a game of whack-a-mole with nazis i'm just like god that's That's not stressful i don't want anything to do with that i guess like i was focused a lot more on like the content itself and i am you know what what they were actually kind of going for like with the concept album and how that translated to the stage and i guess that is like a a question of like form versus function, because I think, you know, it's an interesting point. And I think you're you're kind of right about like it ultimately being kind of a, a watered down version of both things because of the form that it takes. It maybe doesn't quite like know what it's going for. Yeah, I agree. Um, but at the same time, only half uh 
you know, because I, I kept thinking, comparing it to, you know, shows like Rent and movies like Reality Bites and other shows like Hair, <laughs> where you have like in these different generations, you always kind of have these stories about like ennui and growing up and realizing that, you know, everything is fake and all this, you know, this American dream is nonsense. And so like, then there's the question of like, well, how do you deal with that? How do you yeah. cope with that? And in the 90s, the way these narratives get resolved is, you know, be true to yourself, complete vindication in terms of like your own pretentiousness, yeah. you know, like You're in right. reality bites where Lelena, like, you know, she gets her shitty home movies back from Ben Stiller and, you know, is true to her art and, you know, gives with Ethan Hawke and like same with Rent, like all of their shitty art is completely validated. And then they end with like, you know, be true to yourself. At least we have each other's. Yeah. Deep, deep, dupe, dupe, found family. And like <laughs> deep, deep, with American deep, <laughs> with American Idiot, it's it's not that at all. It's like, you know just becomes a cog in the machine. It's sort of like American yeah. Psycho almost the way it ends. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, I tried to go do be true to myself and then I realized like it's kind of a complete waste of time. <laughs> and then I just kind of went home. And that feels a lot more honest to me. And um but I think it being trapped by like the you know needs of the medium uh it it doesn't capture that quite as well as the concept album because it needed to have like a more of a followable through line so it like has yeah. these subplots with like you know dude with a girlfriend that gets knocked up and guy who goes to war that are like extremely minor subplots you know but like they're there and i'm i'm not sure if that adds anything even like you said though the way you're describing it is part of the problem like having a guy who's like Jesus of suburbia from fucking Jinglesville and he's hooking up mm -hmm. with this girl called what's her name like <laughs> it it wants to comment on this thing that you know is pretty important as far as like what they were talking about at the time Green Day about like you know the war and Bush and, and all mm -hmm. that shit but to sort of hide behind this like it's generic and it's broad and it's Johnny and it, it, it really prevents you from giving a fuck about any of it to, to me anyway like I just thought it was like to, to be so generic about it is to not give it any specificity doesn't actually do its service. Well, it's also like these aren't characters, right? They're right. like they're not even it's archetypes. kind of like you look at like Mark or, you know, characters from Rent. Like at least you remember them. Like Maureen yeah. has a memorable character uh, yes. like Angel. You remember Angel. Um, Mark, you remember how much he sucks and how much I hate him. Um, but like, with <laughs> you know, the, these characters in American Idiot, are they're more like ideas. You know, yeah. like literally you have a, a character named What's Her Name that yeah. was obviously like just an idea in the album, but she's an actual character in the show. Um, and there's this like funny thing in like the uh, Broadway Idiot documentary where billy joe's just standing there he's like man i really wish i gave what's her name a name <laughs> <laughs> right but that's on the job of the director right if the director had mm -hmm. been more like hey bro like this works cool as like a song that you're just listening to but if you want to bring it on a stage like part of your job of adapting it is to bring it to that medium again i'm getting all mm -hmm. worked up about musicals but like your job <laughs> is to give her a story your job is to fucking yeah like, yeah give her you a look purpose at how like, much um and you know this is like in the hadestown community like the degree to which they changed it from the concept album is controversial um <laughs> but that's like, good so that's yeah, good but to like me. they did change it a lot, and like for me, they changed it for the better because like they they added a lot, and what they added sounds really different from what's on the album, the original concept album. Um, 
And obviously I'm kind of, you know, they, we have this thing called familiarity bias, um, mm-hmm. where it's like the first thing you saw is the best version of it. And I think that's true, like, especially like for, I think the other thing about, like, side note, the other thing about watching this is I accepted the form and the sound of like the musical theater singers a lot quicker than I thought I would. I thought I was just going to be like cringing the whole time and just like hating that this wasn't Billy Joe, but like I got over that pretty quickly, (laughs) but like, you know, and then the Broadway idiot documentary, they talk about how, um, like they changed the, they only really substantially changed the arrangement for like one of the songs. And they like made a big deal about like, ooh, isn't this different? We, we've got like a choir now. I'm sending all my love to you. Was that for Last Night on Earth? Was that the song that they're referring to? Mm, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. And that was were, the note was I like, took before I watched the doc where I was like, oh, this song actually to me sounded like. It took it like like what I was talking about. Like it takes advantage yeah. of what it's supposed to be, and I was like, "Oh, that's really beautiful." But yeah, and it's th- like cool. Why didn't you do that more? Yes, a hundred percent, exactly. It's exactly what I thought. Yeah, so it's like is it's like if you're gonna you know change it, then you should change it. And I get that there are some like American Idiot, for instance, as a song. Maybe you don't want to change that one very much. Um, but then there are others that are just like, why not? You know, like you could, you could change it. You can, you can make something new. Um, so yeah, I think it was very kind of tame. Which is so not punk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So not punk. But it it is kind of Green Day. Like. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. And uh, of course, Green Day is not like this fucking crazy, you know, they're not fucking black They've always been kind of hated by the punk community for you know, because that's the other thing that I, I like, because obviously I have like I've rediscovered Jesus of Suburbia in the last couple of weeks where I'm like, I haven't really thought about Green Day at all in the last 20 years. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. I'm like, have you heard the good news? Yeah. <laughs> and like, because I, cause the thing about, I love Billy Joe. I, I like the more I see him, the more I'm like, you're just great. I, I just <laughs> I just like you a lot. Um, and part of that is just because like he got married when he was like 21 and is still married to the same person and That's like it, you know it, he's like seems to be a good parent and yeah. <laughs> like it's important. you know he's just a decent guy yeah he's just like a decent i think cuz like the whole um as i was watching the the documentary broadway idiot where it's kind of obvious they had like very little to do with it at first yeah. and then kind of became more and more involved and i honestly was like really touched by that because i was like they did not need to do anything but like you know take the money and run they didn't need to show up they didn't need to like input anything billy joe certainly didn't need to be in the show oh you know what he needed though which was clear from the doc he was like they basically were like we don't have any friends oh and, like, I know. that was so i was like this is the saddest thing ever I mean, but he it was like sense, it's cool though. to be part of a community because everyone fucking hates us so people who are like interested in what we do and don't shit on us is like really refreshing because you know you can't help but project your own experiences and I yeah. think that like YouTube isn't as bad as punk rock which seems to be incredibly judgment like just like weirdly almost hypocritically judgmental as a subculture Absolutely. yes because I was thinking about like you know, this isn't really a problem we have in the YouTube community, you know, because I'm like, when you become like a really famous YouTuber, you still have friends. And like, you know, some maybe there will be like falling outs and drama and because that's like a weirdly common thing in like the beauty YouTube. But like in our area with like, you know, educational and entertainment, like commentary, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's fine. If there are fallings out, they mostly happen off screen. And like the really famous YouTubers I know are like, you know, they're nice and they like hanging out. Um, 
and I was like, is this just what happens when you get really famous? Like you just become really isolated and, but, and like, well, okay, that's fine. I guess I have like my wife and kids, whatever, but like, I don't really have any artist friends, you know, that I can go do art with. And so he finds these musical theater kids (laughs) and they're all like, (laughs) I was like, found that incredibly touching. I was like, oh, he has friends and he's so happy to be here and they support each other. (laughs) I think I like I was also kind of like if that were me, I think I would have been a total shithead about it. I, you know, because I I, am I again, like I just like the fact that he was there and like um was interested in in like doing something outside of his comfort zone when he did not have to do that i'm like this is a good guy i like this guy and this gives me much warmer feelings about the whole show than the la immersive theater version in that case i I sort of in retrospect i wonder how it would have felt if we watched the documentary first and then watched the documentary and then watched the actual performance and been like good for billy joel (laughs) he has friends and this is his musical about having friendships <laughs> ironically yeah. yeah i guess it like it does kind of um because again like with it needing kind of like a, a satisfying ending question mark um <laughs> where it kind of ends on this hopeful note that like if you listen to the album it's like more of an ironic hopeful note But in the show, it's kind of just like a hopeful note. We're, we're back. We're home. And because uh, to me, I'm like, well, what is the point of this album? Like in general? Yeah. Because I think like to reduce it to like you run off to the big city and then you do drugs and then you realize that city is bad. Like, no, I don't think that's what it's saying at all. No. I think that it it what it's saying is there is this. As I was watching the, the, the show, I kept thinking of there's this early ContraPoints uh, video uh, called decrypting the alt-right how to recognize a fascist and in that she kind of very early on states that like well what is the appeal of fascism and a lot of it really does kind of boil down to like once you reach a certain age usually Mm -hmm. teenagerdom and if you are of a certain persuasion let's say white uh, and male (laughs) you're kind of fed this like diet of like you know media that tells you you're going to be the hero of your own story your whole life but then once you reach a certain age you realize that all we have really is capitalism and you kind of have this like moment in your life where you realize like oh there really isn't anything to life besides collecting like miami dolphins mugs your whole life and then dying like that's it (laughs) so then you you want meaning you know and so that is sort of like this you know kid uh johnny slash jesus of suburbia like runs away from home to go find the meaning and um you know how this ties into fascism is like well you know here you know here are the fascists on the side of the road like we've got meaning for you would you like to save the race would you like to be a part of something bigger than yourself yeah i think at the time what was more common was like what happens in the album slash show which is just you you go you you go live your life you realize that like running away from your problems doesn't make you happy because this is not a problem you can run away from you know living in a place with more people in it doesn't make the problem go away. Uh, but like at the time, then you just kind of get over it. What happens now is you get a tiki torch and start marching. And s- <laughs> Fucking tiki torches. Uh, that's a much darker interpretation of, of what it was than I thought. Um, <laughs> wow. I don't really know how to respond to that, but shit. Well, every generation kind of has this like, 
you know, narrative about what do you do with this point in your life where you reach the age where you realize that all of like this big grand meaning that you were you thought was going to come to you as a kid is just it's complete nonsense. And like life is actually boring and sad. And you are basically stuck with consumerism because that's the only thing we have that is any kind of validation. Each generation kind of deals with it differently. Because again, like we look at the 90s ones where it's like, you know, be true to, true to your art and that's how you find happiness. And yeah. um, in like the 60s and 70s, it was like, well, be true to your found family and that's how you find happiness. And then American Idiot is like, Consume. this is it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is it. Sorry, bud. Like they, you, you can't run from this. You just have to live with it. Well, my, my question too, when I was watching it was because they mentioned this in like, you know, we, we were reading the notes in the first part of the episode about how they were saying, oh, this election's too important and Bush is going to mm-hmm. ruin everything. And I, and I just was left thinking, I'm like, how does this sort of move the needle in one direction, this story or these characters or this musical? It didn't make me feel like, well, I got to go out and vote because, Well, you know, I mean, the, it came out in 20, 2010, though. That was another thing. Like, But the record itself, though, is 2004. Right. I just mean, like, that didn't necessarily... It just, if anything, it sort of reinforces what you're saying. It's just like, nope, fucking, there yeah. is no point. Like, it doesn't seem to activate anybody to do anything of meaning. Right, right. And um, the, one of the comments for the video that I got, let me pull it up. It was a Kurt Vonnegut quote, and it was really good. I um, love Vonnegut. During the Vietnam War, every respectable artist in this country was against the war. It was like a laser beam. We were all aimed in the same direction. The power of this weapon turns out to be that of a custard pie dropped from a stepladder at six feet. (laughs) And I think that's true. Like, I think, you know, you can capture the zeitgeist all you want, but that doesn't actually motivate people. And this is sort of like a... Uh, you know, a conversation we have like both on the left and the right where you like the, you know, like with your comic the other day, the issue of video games, like we have studies now to show that like, no, video games don't make you act more violent. And like the same, like basically, you know, the, the data shows that like media is good at making you feel a certain way about a thing, but it's really bad at motivating you to act. You know, I get one example that uh, Dan Olson used a few years ago is like, it'll make you think that voting is a good thing in concept, but it's not more likely to make you go vote. It's just going to like implant in you that like, hmm, voting is good, but you're not more likely (laughs) to go do it. And so the same is true for stuff like this. Sure. You know, I think like if it expresses anything, it it's just it's discontent with Bush and making hating Bush look cool. And I guess it succeeded at that. But did it, um, is it going to make people act? Obviously, no. That no. is, you know, you that is, you need direct action for that. And if they really wanted to do something, you know, they would have had to go like campaign for John Kerry. <laughs> Which they didn't really do much after they released the record, did they, other than tour? They weren't going around like no. signing people no. up to vote or anything like that. Yeah, and I think most artists don't get that. Like, uh, I think it's really easy to, because like right now on Twitter, I see so many people talking about like all of this stuff I'm doing just feels so pointless. It feels like I'm I'm just like, like, it's just flippant. And why am I doing this when there's so many important things going on in the world? And it's like, yeah, but that's always true. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 that arts function is not to motivate people to like end qualified immunity or abolish the police. You know, it's it, its function is to be a reflection in, of whatever's going on in your life slash society and to like, you know, provide an emotional bounce board for that. That's um, true. 
I think artists want to believe that uh, I'm doing this thing for a real tangible reason, because then they can justify the fact that really they're just jerking off. <laughs> it's the story they I'm tell themselves. I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, because that's, you know, and it's hard. It's just like where you can create an art that is maybe very influenced by real world politics. But at the end of the day, it's like, no, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna influence anything. You know, we're not all Uncle Tom's cabin over here. <laughs> or if anything, if it influences anything, it's gonna influence other artists more than it will influence like a broader national right. trend. Right, right, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I did think it was funny that yet again, yet again, yet again, Lindsay, there is a guy with an acoustic guitar trying to write a song that he thinks <laughs> is going to fix things. And dear God, I, I fucking, I can't stand it anymore. If I see, it's like a drinking <laughs> game where if I see another guy with an acoustic guitar trying to fucking write a song to change things, I'm going to fucking blow my brains out. Fuck. What the fuck? <laughs> Enough. That, and that, that sort of, again, this circles back to an earlier point, but like, to me, that was another thing where I'm like, way to be the most fucking, and I know this now because I've seen like six musicals, way to be like, <laughs> way to use one of the most cliched things in every fucking musical, mm-hmm. uh, decidedly not punk yet again, but yeah. And, and I was just thinking, I was riffing on it in that my That was head. another like element that I just don't think worked in this, sh- in this story. It's kind of teased about halfway through one time there's no potential cause and effect because like the one song in this case is wake me up when september ends seven years has gone so fast wake me up when september ends which is a song everybody loves everybody loves that song like it's not like if i write the perfect song i get the girl back or i you know make give meaning to life it's just like well i'd like to re- i'd like to play this song and then eventually he does, and then it's fine. But like it, it, it like really doesn't work in this context in the way that it does in Rent. I, yeah, I mean, like I, I don't think it works in Rent because the song he sings is terrible, and it you know is the kiss <laughs> of life that cures the AIDS. But, cures AIDS, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just sort of like well, on the one hand, you have the worst song in Rent, a music a musical full of bad songs, versus Wake Me Up and When September Ends, a good song that everybody likes, but like does not work in this context. Doesn't play at Choose all. Choose yeah. your fighter, yeah. Uh, and I have been listening to the record itself, and I still like it. It's still like a good no, record. It really rules. Like I, I as I <laughs> like even yesterday, I'm like, okay, uh, all right. So I'm done with this for now. I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna listen to this for a while. And then whenever, because because had to move into a different room because there was a leaf blower outside. Uh, whenever you were doing that, I was like, oh look. This this Green Day thing popped up in my YouTube algorithm, and then I just watched that until you, <laughs> you know, and it was Jesus of Suburbia, which I realize is my favorite song on that album. It it really is a shame. It just kept making me think, like, I wonder if he was not involved, if Green Day didn't, like, try to put their... I mean, again, I get it. Like, I don't think it was an insincere, like, it didn't come across anyway as, like, an insincere controlly thing. It seemed more like... Uh, they were just excited about something and like they were sort of trying to be collaborative and, and the director mm-hmm. was very differential and trying to include them. But I wonder if someone who was a more bold director had taken this, what they could have done with it and what. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I kind of took the other. I'm just like, this is life goals because they're getting along. And I yeah. didn't even think about like <laughs> if Billy Joe Armstrong was a more difficult person, would that have led to a better product? And the answer is probably, you know, because like I. <laughs> 
Oh my god, because I was like, as seeing him like just kind of be happy for these kids and like being impressed with their arrangement, and I'm just like the whole time I was thinking like if that were me, I would just be like cringing and leaving the room the whole <laughs> time because like I I mean I mean you you would not know this, but I'm actually really difficult to work with. <laughs> <laughs> What? Uh, and that has only gotten worse over time as I have gotten like more, uh, you know, secure in my own like, no, this is wrong um, <laughs> attitudes. Because like when, when we worked together, I was a lot more like, oh, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. And now I'm like, no, that's bad. No. Um, and so I like. <laughs> no, you're I, decisive. That's all it is. Yeah. And, and like sort of this, the the result is that like. Whenever I write or do something and like someone kind of interprets it in a way that's like maybe not even bad, just like off or I, I, then I like instead of being like, hmm, hmm, well, why do we do it like this? I'm like, Nyeh! no, <laughs> you're wrong. Like, uh, like I just have this visceral like cringe reaction like that's not right. Um, seeing them like be nice and collaborative and, and like Billy Joe be kind of like deferential to like, oh, this is theater. This is not my area of expertise. Like I was like. This is this is what a good guy looks like. This is this is this is what a feminist looks like. Um, but it's not what and, a good musical looks like, unfortunately. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I because I uh, they were both I, I too think, polite is the problem. They were both too deferential to each other, and it just ended yeah, up being yeah. nobody's vision. It felt like. But at the same time, I'm like, but I I I think I'd rather Billy Joe Armstrong have a good day and have a good time. Sure, than that's fair. It's good. true. It's true. I don't think it was ever going to be great because I think the thing about American Idiot, when you compare it to um, other concept al- albums like Hades Town and Jesus Christ Superstar, like those do have a story and they do have like you know characters. Like American Idiot never did really, and you didn't need to know it was a concept album to enjoy it. You know, if, yeah. if you did, it's a sort of like oh, then there's that extra layer on top of it. But if you listen to American Idiot, you're not like oh, this is a story. You're like. Oh, this is some songs with an overarching theme. I get it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more if I, ha- if again, if it had been live and if I could have seen it, uh, like the Broadway version, but even the immersive version, like watching it at a distance like this is obviously kind of doing a disservice to it Yeah. for for what it is. So I don't, like, if, if they had been, like, weird, controlling, like, perfectionists i how much of it would have been improved my guess is not very much because the the dude who like arranged it and directed it didn't seem terribly interested in making something that was way different uh from what green day already is and obviously green day is over here like oh cool (laughs) like they they don't really have ideas for how to change it so uh i think like with this creative team it probably you know i think it's just it's a good thing and i'm just sort of like i'm glad for you i'm glad for you billy joe that you had you had a good time for once yeah you had some friends like because there was also some like you know they would like show him talking about like man i have a bad feeling about facebook in 2010 right 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 yeah there were like some some like weirdly prescient um like and then donald trump shows up at the oh that's right that's right oh my god (laughs) and like they actually cut this into the documentary which was which was released in like 2012 2013 and they were like what the fuck is donald trump doing here here? yeah (laughs) and i'm like good question he was researching for his campaign he was like american idiot huh (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. that seems relatable to me get it yeah that my question to you is is like what is the punk version of a musical maybe something that's not i think we're getting kind of redundant okay sure that was a green day joke get it oh (laughs) 
so the the immersive theater thing is on YouTube and the uh, Broadway idiot documentaries on Amazon, I think for free with ads. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely recommend the latter. I mean, it is not totally a puff piece, <laughs> but like I, 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 it seems genuine. Like I just, it made me so happy because like I said, I, I just love Billy Joe. I love his goofy head. I love how big it is <laughs> in relationship so big. to the rest of his so body. Big. <laughs> you just like, oh, you just like this, this like you know, happy, nice dork who's just happy to be here and doing something different. And that just made me happy to watch. So like, even if I didn't get too much joy out of the show itself, because I, again, I feel like I, and there's another thing, there's another, uh, there's a few clips on YouTube of the very last performance of American Idiot on Broadway, where Green Day shows up and does like an impromptu concert on stage with the entire cast behind them. And I, that, that seems like fun. Yeah, that gave me, like, this 10-minute clip gave me, like, more joy than the rest of it put together. Because it's obvious to me, because that's the thing about theater is, like, you know, you have to, like, really believe in the project and the cast has to be pretty tight-knit. And so, like... It was obvious that, like, all these kids were just, like, so happy to be here. Like, you know, you have them in the background, like, dancing and singing along to Jesus of Suburbia. And it just, it just made me really happy. So, and someone, I think someone on Twitter, like, described American Idiot as, like, it's, it's, bad <laughs> but but it's also so good and i can't that's kind of where i left it with <laughs> yes that's the perfect way to describe the punk antifa of the early 2000s <laughs> mm-hmm. so that was green day thank you guys for listening uh follow us on all the social medias uh we are at musical splaining no g on twitter and at musical splaining on instagram with a g i i realize now when i say at that's very old person isn't it you just should just say the handle you don't have to say at do you well we don't want young people following us so oh that's true we only want the old farts anyway so yeah. if you're an old fart boomers like me only. boomers <laughs> only uh, i am i am at cavitarian on twitter and at perma friends on instagram and i'm at uh the Lindsay ellis on twitter and at name brand Lindsay on instagram and we haven't quite decided what we're going to do next, unless you have decided and haven't told me. This is the time. I think I have decided, and uh, I'm not. I'm not looking forward to it. Just put it that way. All right, all right, all right. It'll be interesting. <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys have a good couple weeks, and we'll see you soon, or we'll you'll listen to us soon. We won't see anything. <laughs> see you at the poorly filmed theater. Yay. <laughs> <laughs>